We're going back to Genesis now that we've finished uh, Ephesians, and we're going to finish Genesis as we look at the life of Joseph. Um, Genesis concludes with the life of jo- Joseph, 14 chapters. Uh, there's more real estate concerning Joseph's life than any other topic uh, in the book of Genesis. And so there's a lot here that we want to uh, talk about and uh, looking forward to going through it with you. I know that uh, this this passage was written about 4,000 years ago, but uh, it's, a, it's a story that we can all uh, identify with. It's a story about how God works in all the details, in every detail of our life to move us from point A to point B, according to his sovereign will. Okay, now as we look at this passage this morning, uh, verses 12 through 36, you're not going to see God's name mentioned in these verses. But God's fingerprints are over all of these details. He's working in every single situation. There's nothing random in life. When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to God, uh, there are no um, there are no myths. There's no, no such thing as bad luck. There's no such thing as a coincidence or an accident. God is in control of every single detail. I like what R.C. Sproul said. R.C. Sproul said, there are no maverick molecules in the universe. Okay? He's in control of every single one. And, uh, you know, as we look at Joseph's life and as we look at the story this morning, there's some bizarre details that take place Uh, in his life and in this passage of scripture. But God is using every one of them to get Joseph to the place where he wants Joseph to be. And, uh, And God is even working through evil people who are devising evil things. God is even using them. And so, uh, I like what uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 says. Uh, You know, and we're going to conclude with this at the end of the sermon, but uh, um, Joseph didn't see himself as a victim. You know, he didn't, he didn't have a, he didn't, he didn't blame his circumstances on anybody else. He knew that through everything he was going through, he was trusting God. Now, for his brothers, <laughs> they didn't know that. And when they saw Joseph uh, at, at the end of Genesis chapter 50, they feared for their lives because they thought Joseph was going to do to them what they had done to Joseph. But Joseph had a far different perspective. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 says this, or verse 19 says, tell, Joseph telling the brothers, don't be afraid. I Am I in the place of God? You intended harm to me, 
But God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so we see the sovereignty of God, not just in this story, but it is illustrated over and over and over again throughout the Old and the New Testament. And the biggest act of sovereignty and that God using both the good and bad for his sovereign will is through his son, Jesus Christ, when he was crucified on the cross. There were people who hated Jesus, and yet God was using those men to accomplish his divine sovereign will, our redemption. And the very same thing is happening in Joseph's life. God is going to use Joseph to redeem the people of God, to protect and provide for the people of God. God uses everything. And circumstances don't have to be perfect for God to work. Circumstances were not perfect in Moses' life or Joseph's life. Uh, There were some really difficult people, situations happening here where God used it in Joseph's life. So we're going to look at what God uses in this story. And so I want us to begin with verse 12 and uh, read through the end of chapter 12. Beginning with verse chapter 37. Now his brothers went to pasture their flocks, their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you to them. And he said to them, And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So Jacob sent Joseph from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields. And the man asked him, What are you seeking? Joseph says, I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, They have gone away, for I... I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before Joseph came near to them, the brothers conspired against Joseph to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let's not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him. Because that he that 
Reuben might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. Then they saw, then they sat down to eat and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we found. Please identify whether this is your son's robe or not. And Jacob identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and said, No one shall go down to Sheol to to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. So let's look at those whom God used in this story. The first I want us to see this morning is from an unfair father, Jacob. Um, Jacob parented with partiality and favoritism you know there was a there was great dissension in this home with the brothers concerning joseph because joseph was the favorite and joseph had the coat of many colors indicating that he was the favorite nobody had else had this coat in the family and uh and this is the way joseph or jacob parented And in fact, we learned as we looked at um, uh, Jacob's life that this was the kind of environment and home that he was raised in with uh, uh, Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah had their favorites. Uh, Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved uh, Jacob. And, And so Jacob just 
carry that on into his uh, parenting uh, behavior. And uh, it just created great havoc in this home. And, uh, and the brothers hated Joseph. And so the Bible says in uh, chapter 37, verse uh, 12, that uh, they went out and they went, they went out and pastured uh, their father's flock. Uh, they went off to Shechem and they didn't invite Joseph. Joseph was left home alone uh, and, uh, because they didn't want to have anything to do with him. And so here we see in this passage of Scripture that, um, you know, Jacob wants to know what's going on with his sons. How's it going uh, in Shechem? And so he sends Joseph uh, to scout out and to inquire how the brothers are. And, uh, you know, that happened earlier in chapter 37. And uh, Joseph came back with a bad report. He came back and tattled on his brothers, and that infuriated them. Um, and then Joseph had the dreams about uh, uh, the, them bowing down to him. And so there is a great deal of animosity in uh, this relationship and in this situation. Joseph is 17 years old. And, uh, and so he's not very mature about, you know, the dreams that he's had from the Lord and, and this coat of many colors. And so it just kind of has fed into his ego. And uh, the brothers just absolutely are infuriated. <clears throat> so here we see in chapter 14 that uh, Joseph obeys his dad and he goes to check on his brothers and he goes to Shechem, and, uh, and uh, we're going to come to the point where he's having a hard time finding them. But uh, let me just pause here for a second and uh, just ask you a question. Were you raised with an unfair father? You know, some of us were, some of us weren't. But regardless of who your father was. And um, the disappointment or the anger, angry, the anger that you might have in your, in, in your heart towards your father or towards your parents, just understand that God gave you the parent that you have who, who raised you. And God wants to use that parent to help you be whom he wants you to be. There are no accidents. Your parents were ordained by God to parent you. And if you have anger or animosity or hurt towards them, just understand that God understands. And God wants to use those individuals in your life just as he has used this unfair father in Jacob. Jacob was not a perfect person. 
Jacob had made a whole lot of mistakes. But God is working in this, through this relationship. And so we see God working through an unfair father. The second thing we see in this passage of Scripture is that God is using an unknown advisor. Okay? Joseph gets to, um, to Shechem, and he's looking around, and his brothers are nowhere to be found. Where could they possibly be? Now, from Hebron to Shechem is about 50 miles. Okay? Again, uh, Joseph's all by himself. He's 17 years old, and he's frantically looking for his, 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 his brothers. And there is this unknown person. We don't know his name. He's, he's out in the field all by himself, and he sees Joseph, and he asks Joseph a question that uh, Joseph, you know, isn't asking this man. He said, what are you seeking? And Joseph tells this uh, stranger, I'm, I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they might be? And lo and behold, this man out in the middle of this field, out in the, in the wilderness, says, yeah, I overheard a conversation between your brothers. And they said that they needed, they were going to go to Dothan. Friends, that is not a coincidence. God is using this unknown advisor to help guide Joseph to where he needs to go. God is involved in every single detail. God is at work. And so when you're confused, (laughs) when you don't know where to go, when you don't know what to do, let me just encourage you, don't panic. Just call upon God. Ask God to give you wisdom. He will guide you. Let me give you an example. Emmanuel Christian School. It's been a, it's been a crazy start to the school year at ICS. Our principal, Heather Urich, um, and we need to pray for Heather. She's uh, going through a hard time, um, and uh, with her and her family, and she's had to. She had to just before school started on that Sunday night. She called Gary Noel and said, "I need to take some medical leave. I need to focus on my family." And so she just left everything. The day before school started, I think it was the day before school started. It may, it may have been a couple days. I don't know. And um, she left it to a brand new vice principal that she had just hired. Uh, her name is Meredith Jones. 
And uh, Meredith was uh, coming on staff. She was going to be working part-time. And then all of a sudden, everything is thrown into her lap. And I tell you, Meredith is the perfect person that we needed for a manual Christian school uh, at this particular time. Was that a coincidence? No. God is at work. And I've been your pastor now for 24 years. I've been staff here for 24 years. I've seen a lot of history with Emmanuel Christian School. I've seen a lot of history with Emmanuel Baptist Church. And just at a critical juncture, you know, where something happens that has caught us off guard, and we're saying, what do we do now? You know what? Not occasionally, but every single time, God has provided. And so God has provided Meredith Jones, and we need to pray for Meredith Jones as she, she leads the school. Now, she needs help. I mean, she's just part-time. She's only doing this like 28 hours a week. She's got other responsibilities too. So we need to find somebody else to come alongside her to co-lead this school. But you know what? God's going to provide He's given us all the resources and that we just need to trust him. That's the way God works. And God used this stranger out in the middle of a nowhere to tell Joseph, hey, I know where your brothers went. They're in Dothan. And so we see this in verses, verses 18 through 24. <clears throat> and then the next group of people that God uses to move us from point A to point B is, in this passage of scripture, is an ungodly family. Joseph's brothers, they hated him. Look at verse 18. They said, they, speaking of the brothers, saw him from afar and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. That's how ungodly they were. They wouldn't rid themselves of their little brother. They were so jealous of him. And, and this was, they were so dysfunctional. They called him the dreamer because uh, he, he seriously had the audacity to think that uh, they were going to bow before him. They couldn't fathom the thought, and so they conspire to have him killed, and they make up an incredible story. And the only thing that saved them, saved Joseph at this point, he hadn't even gotten there yet to his brothers. They just talked about this as as he was approaching. Reuben said, let's not kill him. You know, he's our, he's our brother. Let's, let's put them in this cistern out in the wilderness and uh, spare his life. And, uh, and Reuben said that because he wanted to rescue Joseph. He wanted to come back and wherever they were going to place him, that he'd go back and he would rescue him from that, um, from that cistern. But um, 
And so they they agreed with Reuben, Reuben at that point. But in verse 23, the Bible says, um, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water in it. They spared his life, but they stripped him of his coat of many colors. Now that word stripped is mentioned in one other passage of scripture in the book of Leviticus, and it refers to um, the, the cutting of the sacrifice. And so when they stripped him, this is really indicating that they did violence to Joseph. And uh, so they, they took his robe, they tore his robe, and then they tossed him into this pit. But um, here we have this ungodly family doing horrible things. Let me ask you a question. Is there a person or are there people in your life that are just a thorn in your flesh? They hate you. They don't want to have anything to do with you. I want you to know that God is using even them to help you be whom God wants you to be. Friend, instead of cursing them, as hard as this might be, begin to thank God for them. And trust that he's using them in your life to mold you and to shape you and help you to become more like Jesus, whatever it might be. They're not there by accident. God uses everyone, even ungodly people. And here we see God using this ungodly family. And then we come to verses 25 through 28, and we see an unexpected appearance. They're now in Dotham, okay? And uh, Dotham isn't an accident. <laughs> Had they stayed in Shechem, they would have, um, they would have missed... Um, the opportunity for Joseph to have gone down to Egypt, okay? Now, Dotham was a very important location because it was on the trade route from the east to the south towards um, Egypt, okay? And so here we see in verses 25 through, through 28, um, Ishmael, Ishmaelites, Midianite, Midianites coming um, and heading towards uh, Egypt. And uh, the brothers um, decide, well, let's not just leave him to die in this cistern. Let's make some money off of him. Okay, let's, let's sell him. And so they sell Joseph for 20 shekels, 20 pieces of silver. The same price that uh, Judah 
um, received for turning Jesus in uh, before he was crucified. And so here comes this caravan. Again, it's not a coincidence. You know, God is using it. It's, it's perfect timing on God's, God's part. And uh, Joseph is going to be sold to these as they, they head towards um, Egypt. And then in verses 29 through 30, you know, Reuben's taken off. He's not, he's, he wasn't in on that decision-making process. You know, Reuben, he wanted to come back and, and find uh, Joseph in the cistern, rescue him and take him back to his father. But God distracted Reuben. And so when Reuben comes back, Joseph is gone. And Reuben says, well, what am I going to do? Where do I go now? And yet God answered, God is, God is going to continue to work in this situation. And he's working, get this, in a very unholy deception. I mean, it's, it gets really bad at this point, okay? Joseph's been sold, and then verses 31 through 35, they concoct a lie. The brothers take uh, Joseph's coat of many colors and they dip it in animal's blood. And they take it back to their father and they say, Father, whose coat is this? Obviously, Jacob knows whose coat it is. And he comes to the conclusion that uh, animals have killed him. They've devoured him. And this is, look at the hypocrisy of uh, the brothers, of the family, um, as Joseph learns, or Jacob, Jacob learns this of his, of his son. Verse 35, all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. These people know the truth. They know that what this story that they've concocted is just going to devastate their father. And father, in fact, it's going to be 20 years. Jacob is going to be living in mourning for his son. He never gets over it until he eventually meets Joseph again. He never gets over that. He, his, he mourns for 20 years. I mean, people's hearts had to be truly sick to allow their father of all people to have to go through that for, for the rest of his life. And yet God is at work even through that unholy deception. Was God the author of the brother's sins? No. But God was using their evil heart to fulfill his sovereign will. And church, Christian, 
God does the very same thing in your life as well and mine. There are people who may have done horrendous things in your life. But everything that happens in our life first has to go through God's filtered hands. And God uses every good and every bad for your good and his glory. This is what's going on in Joseph's life. As Jacob is mourning for his son, Joseph is being sold into unjust slavery in verse 36. He was sold to Potiphar, and we don't have time to go through all the details. We will be going through those things in in Joseph's life as we cover the next uh, 13 chapters. But I want you to understand this about Joseph. I don't know, don't know about you, but I hope I never go through the things, things that Joseph went through, okay? And for most of us here, we won't go through those things. But for Joseph, you don't see a bitter person. You don't see a man playing the victim card and blaming everything on everybody else. Joseph was a man who feared God. Now, he was a very immature boy at 17 years old. And for the next 13 years, horrendous things are going to happen in his life. But at the end of those 13 years, he's going to be elevated to second in command of all of Egypt. He's going to experience some good years and then he's going to experience some lean years. But by the time the brothers come to Joseph in chapter 50, Joseph has nothing but love and concern for the people who had treated him ruthlessly. Because he knew God was behind it all. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. So church, I want to just encourage you to each of us. As God takes us down a painful path that we have no control over, Let's grow up in our faith. Instead of panicking and quitting and blaming and turning our hearts away from God, let's trust him. Because he has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And we are called to give glory 
and thanks for who he is and what he's done and is doing in our life. And to do that, it takes faith. And how do we take how do we grow our faith? Through the word of God. May we grow. We may we have a greater appreciation for God's sovereignty as we go through these next 13 chapters of Joseph's life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this um, incredible story that we've only just begun. And God, we can all identify with Joseph in one way or another. Our circumstances are not perfect. Oh, we want them to be perfect. But God, you work through imperfection. You even work through our imperfection. I say thank you. Lord, I pray for each of us in this service this morning, especially for those who didn't write the story that they're going through right now. Never imagined the story that they're going through right now. God, you did. And you have control of the steering wheel of their life. God, help them to trust you. That you're guiding and you're directing. And my friend, if I'm praying for you this morning, just understand that God hears your heart. Would you give your circumstances to him this morning? Right here in this moment. He's listening. God, you know. You know what's happening in this moment. You know what's going to happen tomorrow. God, you know what's going to happen in all the days ahead. Help us to trust you. Be that peace, Lord, that we desperately need. Father, I pray for Heather right now. God, you know all that she's, she's going through. God, she's, she's a remarkable person. She has done amazing things as uh, the leader of Emmanuel Christian School. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would affirm her and encourage her where she's at right now. You love her. God, you hold her. And you're never going to let her go. Pray for her family. Fill them, Lord, with uh, your peace that passes understanding. Bring, bring healing that only you can bring. 
And then, God, we pray for Meredith as uh, she leads the school. I thank you, Lord, that she is just what the school needs as it moves forward today. Lord, help her to lead not in her strength, but, Lord, in yours. Thank you, Lord, that uh, she knows you well and is trusting you uh, to give her the wisdom. And so we pray for her. Thank you for the way you've provided, and we pray that, uh, God, that you would uh, lead us to that right person. You will. It will be obvious. And uh, in advance, we thank you for about what we are about to receive. God, you are good. But thank you for your living word that is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It applies directly to our lives. Help us, God, to take this truth. May it increase our faith in who you are and who you want to be in our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.